Today we're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. If you remember the story, Jesus in a very short time encountered three powerful miracles. The first one was casting out of the demons uh, of the demoniac on one side of this lake, getting in the boat, rowing to the other side, encountering incredible crowds on his way to Jairus' house. We've already talked about Jairus. Today we talk about the woman that Jesus met while walking through the crowds. The Bible says a woman who had been bleeding internally for 12 years met Christ on the path and she told herself, if I could just touch Jesus, I'll be made well. Christ wasn't asked to pray for her. In fact, Christ didn't even know she was there. The woman made her way up behind the crowds and thought to herself again, if I could just touch Jesus, reaching through the crowds, she touched the hem of his garment. The Bible says power left Jesus. He perceived it. He turned around and asked, who touched me? The disciples were incredulous. Who touched you? How about everybody, Jesus? But Christ himself knew. And he looked and he found the woman who touched him. She was made well. There are two issues here we'd like to talk about today. Number one, can you just press in when everything else around you is trying to keep you from pressing in? And number two, have you ever thought if I could just touch Jesus, if I just met Jesus, everything would be okay? That's what I think too. It's going to be a powerful time of ministry. Let me begin by just reading that story so that uh, we know where it's coming from the Bible. It's Mark chapter 5, uh, verse 24 is where I'm starting. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowded around you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So uh, Pastor John, uh, you know, we're in the, this is part three of, of the Believe series. And in the first two weeks, Pastor John has done just such an incredible uh, job of, of starting the foundation of this series. But last week, he actually talked about five catalysts um, to growing in our faith. Because the question ultimately is this, uh, as pastors, um, we want to see you grow in your spiritual walk. Okay, so what does that mean? Um, how do you define that? And what we kind of decided was, I think the best definition of growth in our spiritual walk is, are we living, are we growing, are we understanding, and, and do we have more faith than we did when we started? So our hope as pastors and our hope as a teaching team is to come to you with words, uh, with the theme of believe all year long so that you will grow in your faith so that at the end of 2013, you'll have more faith than you did at the beginning of the year. 
That is our hope, and that is our heart. And Pastor Don did just an incredible job last week bringing up five practical ways to grow in your faith. If you didn't hear it, go online, jfc.org, listen to that message. It, It really was a tremendous message. As I was reading through this section of Scripture, I believe that God gave me two more catalysts to add to that in regards to growing in our faith. And I'm just going to give them both to you right now. They are confess and confess. And they are different, and I'll explain as I go through this. Two catalysts to growing in our faith from the story. The first one is this, confess inwardly. I'm going to read the first half of that story one more time just so we get it ingrained into uh, our heads. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Think about that, church. She had this issue with blood in her life and it lasted for 12 years. Now, some of you have been dealing with issues that maybe have gone longer than that. For some of you, shorter than that. Some of you are here tonight, you've had an issue for two days and you're crying out to God, please help me. Um, All we know here is that this lady had dealt with this issue for a long time. It wasn't just a short period. It wasn't just a couple weeks. This is 12 years of dealing with the same issue. And I know many of us can relate to something like that. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. In week one of this series, Pastor John said something uh, about that sentence right there. And he said, how many of us have tried to deal with our issue in our flesh only to find ourselves in a worse position than we started? And I thought it so noteworthy that I wanted to bring that up because I think in the issues that we face in our life, a lot of times we push in and we try to do things in our flesh and it just makes the condition worse. Listen to what happened with this lady and see what the difference is because she had tried everything at this point. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak Because she thought, and key in there, because she thought, remember that, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Two catalysts of growing in our faith. First one, confess inwardly. Put in your notes right there. What you confess about your current situation is what you will focus on. What you confess about your current situation is what you focus on. Now, I want to make sure that we're understanding. I am not just talking about healing. I am talking about issues with finances, issues with kids, issues with spouses, work issues. I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about things that entangle you and ensnare you and keep you from your walk with God. I am talking about any issue that you may face or that you may have. So just real quick, help me out here. Make sure that I'm talking to the right people. How many of you have issues in your life? Okay, almost everybody. If you didn't have an issue, please come see me because I want to talk to you and know how you're doing it. The truth is, I have issues and we all have issues that we face. Sometimes they're just, uh, you know, a couple days. Other times they go for years. But the truth is, we all have issues. And one of the things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to communicate to you this weekend is this. Your thoughts in the middle of this issue are so key 
Because if you don't think the way that God wants you to think about that thing, then you're going to head down the wrong path and you're going to get way away from him. Let me give you an example. As a pastor, I will get people that come into my office and they want to tell me about their issues. And they'll tell me about this thing that's going on in their life and they'll explain it to me. And then uh, not all the time, but a lot of the times, a majority of the times, they'll stop after they've told me their issue and then they'll say this, why would God do this to me? Now think about that statement and think about the path that it begins to take you down. Why would God do this to me? Okay, if you think God is to blame for your issue, then you're automatically already thinking down a path that takes you away from what this woman was, which was if I can just touch Jesus, because you don't want to touch Jesus because he just caused this in your life. It is so important that you understand the thoughts in your brain and the fact that you got to take those things captive and you need to apply them up to God and go, how do you want me to think about this? One of the things that God is showing me in my life right now and what he's really been speaking to me is that section of the scripture in Romans 12, it says this, this is our spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to know his good perfect and pleasing will. Okay, it says that number one, we're not to conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, the pattern of this world is to blame. Okay, the pattern of this world is to think negatively about God. And, and if it's a negative situation, that to automatically think that nothing good can come out of this. There's all kinds of things that I could go in in regards to the pattern of this world. I don't have time. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what I believe that God has been showing to me. And man, this is huge. When I think about the will of God, the first thing that I think about is doing things for God. And here's what I believe the Lord told me. It's not about what you do, Dan. It's about what you think. If you will line your thoughts up with what I want you to be thinking, everything else will come in line. Huh, it sounds like a scripture, like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. See, church, we focus on all these things, and then we say, once we get this straightened out, I'll focus on you, Lord. Oh, We've got to think the way that God wants us to think. Here's this woman, she's pressing in, she's going through, and here's her confession. If you can get the picture of what's going on here, I'm not sure what she looked like, but I'm guessing she was a little bent over. There's so many people that the disciples go, what are you talking about, Jesus, people touching you? Some, some scholars say he couldn't even get his hands up. Okay, that's how many people are around. She's pushing through, I'm guessing a little bent over. She's pushing through, and this is what she's doing. If I can just touch Jesus, 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 and it, that's what's motivating. In your issue, are you saying that? Is that what you're professing? Is that what you're confessing? Not only out of your mouth, but in your heart, in your thought life. Are you confessing the things that God wants you to confess? Paul understand the, understood this to the point where he says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. He said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
in the middle of your issue, are you more focused on your issue or on Jesus and him crucified? If you're dealing with finances and you're struggling financially, are you so focused on your finances that you're forgetting Jesus? Or are you focusing so much on Jesus that you know he's going to straighten things out financially? Apply that with marriage, relationships, work, health, whatever it is. Are you so focused on Jesus that you're going, if I can just touch Jesus, if I can just touch Jesus, if I can just touch Jesus. See, church, I believe this. We grow in our faith. Remember, this whole thing is about growing in faith. We grow in our faith when we press through to touch Jesus in our issues. When we focus on our issues, there's not much growth, is there? Think about it. When you focus in on the issue, man, you do every, just like the woman with the issue of blood, I spent all my money, I gave everything I had to that issue trying to figure it out, and I actually found myself in a worse place. We grow in our faith when we push through in the middle of the issue to touch Jesus. We talked about this at the teaching team, and we were talking about this woman and the fact that, and I'm going to read it in just a little bit, but uh, the woman touches Jesus, and as the story goes on, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And they actually have this interaction. See, what's really cool about this story is that not only this woman getting healed, but the fact that this woman had an encounter with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the Savior of our souls. And we got to talking about that at the teaching team. And somebody brought out, and I don't even remember exactly who it was, but somebody brought out this, this statement. A lot of times we focus more on the healing or the fixing of the issue rather than the encounter of God. We focus on the miracles instead of the miracle creator. We focus on the power instead of the God of the power. In the middle of your issue, what are you focused on? Are you praying for a miracle or are you praying for an encounter? I know I've got you thinking. I get it. But every once in a while, amen, it would be good. All right, good, thanks. Let me see if I can't give you uh, a practical. uh, We're talking in the teaching team, and uh, Pastor John, as we kind of brought that out, we're like, man, oh, that is so good. Because, see, this woman had an encounter with Jesus. And the question I bring to you is this. Ten years removed from that encounter, what do you think she remembered? Getting healed or talking to the Savior? I'm going to say talking to the Savior. Here's why I'm going to say it. I got two examples. The first one is this. Pastor John, in the middle of that teaching team, as many of you know, he has shared that he went to Israel in November with chronic back pain and been dealing with it for years. He got touched in Israel and he hasn't had back pain since the last week in November. He is walking around completely restored in regards to his back and completely healed in that area. This is what he said at the teaching team. And I thought, oh, that was so good. I have to share it. He said this, do you know for the next two or three weeks, that is all I could talk about? It was like I was having a little personal revival. I, I had to tell as many people as I possibly could about how God had touched my back and how I was healed. But he goes, you know what I have found? Is that that is now my new normal. 
I wake up in the morning and my back doesn't hurt and I'm not talking about it anymore because it's normal now. <laughs> here's, what's, here's, here's what's the testimony that he gave. He said, you know what I will never forget though is the encounter that I had with the Lord in Israel. I wake up every morning not thinking about my back, but I do think about the encounter. Let me give you another example of this. Many of you know the story of my son, but I wanna make sure that everybody uh, is on the same page here. Five years ago this March, my son, who at the time was 11 years old, woke up and yelled down the stairs at us and said, Mom and Dad, I can't move my right arm and my right leg. Went to bed fine, woke up in the morning, couldn't move his right side of his body. Through a series of going to the first to Sky Ridge, then ultimately being taken down to Presbyterian St. Luke, um, and 24 hours of, of trying to figure out what's going on, he got, went from kind of not being able to move to completely paralyzed on that side, um, starting to slur his words. And as you can imagine, we're freaking out as parents. What is going on with our son? The doctors kept coming back. Well, we ran this test. It's negative, so we don't know what's going on. And they kept doing that over and over and over. Finally, 2 a.m. in the morning, they came in and they go, all right, we figured out what's going on. He's got uh, an autoimmune disease. And basically what's happening is his immune system is eating at his nerve endings. And it's causing him basically to short circuit. That's why he can't move his arms and his legs. And he goes, this is what the doctor said. The problem is that this whole thing is very close to the brain stem. We can't tell you what's going to happen, but we believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. And they go, we think his heart's going to stop. We think his breathing's going to stop. And so we are going to be monitoring him very obviously. And ICU had an intubation tray right there ready to throw a tube down his throat if he stopped breathing, ready to uh, put his, try to chalk his heart back into if his heart stopped. Everything was right there. Okay, now obviously, Kim and I are praying, God, we need you to do something supernatural here. Uh, we don't know if he's gonna make it through the night. Lord, do something, intervene. I'm making phone calls. I'm in the lobby and I'm talking to my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law tells me, she goes, hey, I was talking to Amy, who's my sister-in-law, my wife's sister. Amy wanted me to remind you of the word that you gave Andrew in December. And when she said that, church, I had an encounter with God. Let me tell you what happened. Let me go back in December. In December, both my kids have their birthdays, the 1st and 31st. So what we do is in the middle of the month, we have a family birthday party. And at that family birthday party, every year, we give them a blessing for the next year. I had prayed to God and I had asked God, what are the blessings for my kids? And here is the blessing that I gave to Andrew. Andrew, I believe that God is going to put challenging circumstances and situations into your life or that challenging things are going to come into your life. And there's a saying, son, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. These are the words I said to him. <laughs> and I said, if you will just have courage and if you will fight through, God is going to bring you out as a better believer, a better person, and a better man of God as you go through these things. That was the blessing I gave. This is the blessing that I was reminded of in March as I'm in the hospital, not knowing whether my son was going to make it or not. And I started weeping right there because I knew 
that God had already told us that this was, I thought it was going to be like homework was going to be tough. (laughs) Football practice was going to be hard. I, I had no idea. But church, let me tell you something. God prepared me in December for what took place in March and what ultimately took nine months of recovery to get him just back to where he could walk normal and talk normal and eat normal and all of those things. Now, five years later, I wake up every morning and my son is perfectly healthy and I don't even think about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm grateful to God. I, man, I, I, now that I'm telling this, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was, I, I go back to it, but it's my new norm. I don't think about the miracle and the, the fact that God touched him in such a radical way. Do you know the neurologist told us that we think he's only going to get maybe 70% better? And then when we took him in at the end of the summer and he was at 70%, he goes, you know what? This is about where we thought he would be. So you're blessed that he got this far. And my wife's like, well, I'm not believing that. But the truth is, um, what was one, one thing on my mind every single day Now it's just become my norm because he's perfectly normal and healthy. But here's what I think about almost every week, the encounter I had with God. I'll never forget how he spoke to me and he prepared our family and and any circumstance and any issue that I face helps me to think the right way because I had an encounter with God in that situation. Church, in your issues, are you focused on the miracle trying to take place or are you focused on having the encounter with God? Because I believe if you'll focus on the encounter of God, you'll be blown away with how God will use you in your issue. Okay, I gotta move on. I could keep going just on point one. Don't look for the touch of God's power. Pursue an encounter with him. Number two in this story, confess one to another. Let me finish the story. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples were like, what? Everybody's around you. How could you even ask that? Jesus kept looking around to see what, who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. Trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. Let me throw a question out to you. Why was this woman so scared? She just touched the garment of Jesus. The Bible says she knew she was healed. Jesus said, I'm thinking, Jesus looks and goes, hey, who touched me? I'm thinking, well, I was going to just try to escape out of here, you know, nice and easy. But uh, since he's asking, I'll turn. I did. I'm healed. It worked. It worked. I just knew if I could just, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says she turns around and with fear and trembling, trembling with fear. I looked it up in the Greek. It means to shake uncontrollably with the type of fear that makes you want to get out of a situation because you're so scared. Okay. That's where she is. She falls down before Jesus, trembling in fear. Why? Why is she trembling with fear? Let me give you a little history lesson. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 15, I believe, it is very clear that if you have an issue of blood, you are not to be in the camp. You are not to be with people. You are not to be anywhere associated in there because you are unclean. You 
not only are not supposed to be around people, but there's no way you're supposed to go into a temple. Andy, there is absolutely no way you should touch a priest or a rabbi. Matter of fact, if you do and you make them unclean, you could be stoned. Give you an insight to why she was scared? She just touched one of the most powerful rabbis of all time. And when he turned around and said, who touched me? She went, "Uh uh-oh. I just brought my uncleanliness to God. I could die for this. Church, isn't that how we view our sin? There's a whole lot of people that go, man, I can't touch Jesus because I'm unclean. But I want you to realize Jesus' response here was not one of stone her, let's take her out of the camp. It was your faith has made you well. Go and suffer no longer. Church, God wants that kind of freedom for you and I from our uncleanliness. See, human nature wants to hide sin. Human nature wants to bury it. Human nature wants to not tell anybody about it. God's design, he wants us to take those things we struggle and bring them to the light because when we do that, that is when we find mercy, grace, forgiveness, love, peace, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The life of God comes when we get that stuff out of us. See, The word of God here says that she told the whole truth. Why would it say the whole truth? I mean, and it's so easy to pass by this because you read through this and you think, he goes, who touched me? Uh, I did. Oh, okay, well, your faith has made you well. Go. That's not how it went. Who touched me? Uh Uh-oh, falls down on her face and she goes up and in my opinion of this, she just begins to lay out everything. Jesus, I've been struggling with blood for 12 years. I didn't know what to do. I'm sorry. I know I'm unclean and I know why I wasn't supposed to touch you. Um, but oh God, please have mercy on me. Have grace. Because I, I, I just knew something would be different if I could just touch you, if I could just touch you, if I could just touch you. And I did and I felt the touch and, and I'm healed and it's amazing. And he looks at her with all compassion, mercy and grace. He goes, man, your faith has made you well. Go and suffer no more. You know what? Not only did she get healed, not only did she have an encounter with God, but think about how many thousands of people were watching this. She didn't just confess one-on-one to Jesus. She confessed to the whole world. So I'm going to have a mic up here, and I'd like you to start confessing. (laughs) Wait a second. No, we're not going there. Uh, The power of that. Do you know what she released in all of those people watching? A brand new paradigm of what God looked like. The paradigm of the New Testament started right there. For those people. Because before that, no unclean thing could touch that situation. And if they did, they would be kicked even farther out of the camp. Ooh, this is, you guys are getting good one right here, okay? <laughs> Human nature is to hide our uncleanliness. It's God's design that would bring to light our sin. This is where we find his grace, mercy, healing, life, etc. Proverbs 28, 13, listen to this. It says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. You want to prosper financially in your relationships, in, um, in work, in your neighborhood, in whatever it is, your school co-op. You want to prosper? Don't conceal your sin. 
I didn't expect I'd get a big amen by it at me, but okay. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. Isn't that human nature? Anytime I have found an issue in my life that I actually need to confess to somebody, do you know what I find? I find myself trembling with fear to go to that person and confess what I've did. But what I have found almost every time is that when I will be courageous enough and bold enough to actually go confess that sin, do you know what happens? That person looks at me and goes, dude, it's okay. I forgive you. I give you mercy and grace. I love you and I want to restore you. And I, almost every single time, that's what I've experienced. What is it about our human nature that we fear that? Church, I'm telling you, when we confess our sins one to another, we find mercy and life and grace. Confession. You know what? I grew up Catholic. Let me tell you how Catholic I grew up. My mom was a nun. My dad was a priest. I'm dead serious. And some of you are going like, how are you here? <laughs> I'm here because they got out and got married. But I grew up very much Catholic. And I get the whole confessional thing that Catholics do. They sit in a booth Sit like this, the priest is over here, but there's a big wall and a little divider here. Father, please forgive me. It has been six years since I last talked to you. No, just six whole days since I last confessed. And then you confess everything. And here's what happens. There's this release that comes off. You know, the Catholic Church um, in some areas have, have so many things um, Right. Not everything is wrong. The confession part of that is something that we all need to get better at. Now, here's the problem, and here's why the confession thing doesn't work wholly in the Catholic Church, is because there's no relationship there. There's no relation, there's no accountability. There's nobody to come alongside and say, hey, I'm going to restore you gently. But he just tells you how many Our Fathers and Hail Marys to say, and you walk out and, and you're done. So they have a piece of it. You know what? How about this? Let's be a church that puts the whole thing together. Let's not hide our sin. Let's confess our sin. Let's confess our sin one to another and let's share it with each other so that we can restore and have that. So how do you do that? Well, you have to be in relationship. Pastor John, that's one of his catalysts last week. Get involved in a godly relationship because in a godly relationship, it helps you grow in your faith. How does it help you in this case? Because when you can confess your sin... There's great freedom. There's a scripture that says where the truth is, the truth will set you what? Free. free. Okay, now we know that Jesus is the truth, and yes, Jesus sets us free, but I believe there's a whole other aspect of that that maybe we haven't considered, and that is this. When you speak the truth, you get freedom. Have you ever told a lie and covered it with another lie and another lie and another lie, and then once it finally got revealed, you were like, oh, thank God. The freedom came. Why? Because the truth will set you free. And there's no other way to expose the truth than to confess it. Well, Pastor Dan, I hear what you're saying. I totally agree with you. So I'm only going to confess to God. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Sorry. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let me back this scripture up and read it backwards. You are not healed because you are not praying for each other because you are not confessing your sins. 
You are struggling in your finances because you're not praying with one another because you're not telling anybody you're struggling in your finances. Your marriage is not going well because you are not having anybody pray for you because you will not tell people you're struggling in your marriage. Your relationship with your kids is not going well because you don't have anybody praying for you because you won't confess that you don't know how to be a parent in this area. And so on, and so on, and so on, and whatever issue it may be. Why is it, church, that when we start sinning, we pull ourselves away from people and God instead of pressing into people and pressing into Jesus? It's your thoughts. It's your thoughts. Because if you blame God, you're never going to push into God. And if you think that people are out to get you, you're never going to confess to them. But the body of Christ is supposed to surround one another. This plays on a couple different levels. One, you're the confessor. You need to trust people. You need to be in relationships with people you can trust. You don't start it after you start your addiction. You have those relationships before so that they know you and so that they can go, hey, what's going on, brother? Let me help you out. It also plays on the confessee level. If somebody were to confess, you do not hit them over the head with the Bible which happens. And it's why people won't confess. That's not what you do. What you do when somebody tells you a secret sin and a secret lie that they've been walking in for days, weeks, months, or years, you go, hey, thank you for telling me. You know what? You're getting free right now because the truth sets you free. And I'm going to come alongside and I can't wait to see the testimony that comes out of this. And so, hey, you know what? There's some things that you're going to have to reap because of what you sowed in your sin, but I'm going to help you through that reaping. And when you come outside of this, because we're going to start planting good seed right now, you're going to reap God's glory. Oh, this is a good message. Much better than three o'clock. Confess your sins one to another. Another scripture. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. All right. Uh, I want to say something real quick about that verse. If you want to walk in the truth, oh, Holy, Holy Spirit, work right now. If you want to walk in the truth, and I believe that that's what you want to do because that's why you're here. You're here because you want to walk more and more in the truth. If you want to walk in the truth, yet you're concealing sin, it cannot happen. They are opposed to one another, and you cannot have both. You can pretend, and you can come to church, put your Sunday school clothes on, but you cannot have both truth and conceal lies. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here it is again. I'm telling you over and over in the Bible, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will smite you and crush you and put you in your place. Oh, wait, that's not what it says. That's what we think. Change your thoughts. We have to think like God wants us to think, not what the world thinks. That God is this almighty smiter that he's going to come down and get you. I love what Pastor just said. It. Pastor John has said, if he's going to get you, he, you'd already be God. That's not what it says. It says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
You want righteousness? You want purity? You want to be freed from your sins and forgiven from your sins? Then you need to confess them. Just working it backwards. So what does it look like? What does confession look like? First off, you must have relationships. Jubilee Fellowship does everything that we can to provide opportunities. We have dinners for eight. We have small groups. We have ministries that you can get involved in. We have a Connect, Grow, Serve class coming up a week from Monday at all the campuses. Go to that class. Start in those relationships. Start getting involved. Do something about this. Be a part of a relationship. I met with a friend of mine from high school uh, just a week and a half ago. He comes in. He goes, hey, me and my girlfriend are struggling. Can, can we come meet with you? Sure, absolutely. They start telling me all this stuff and all the junk that's going on. And I said, well, um, what are, do you guys have any network of people that you guys can talk about this stuff before you have to come to, you know, before you get to this place where you have to call me? And this is what he goes, no, we just called you. That's where a lot of people find themselves. When I get into an issue, then I'll contact somebody. And the truth is, because you don't have any good relationships in the body, you come to your pastor, right? Do you know what a majority of my time is? Talking to people who are in the middle of issues because they don't have any other relationships in which it could have got caught early. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a bummer because I don't, I don't get the relationship part where the good times are there. I only get to hear about all the issues. I'm not saying that that's all the time, but that's kind of what the church, and I'm not saying Jubilee Fellow, I'm mean, church at large, has put pastors in. Pastors are the ones that, okay, when I get in the worst condition than I can handle, then I'll go confess. How about this? How about being in relationships beforehand? I told my friend this. I go, hey, I appreciate that you called me, but you know what? I'm going to challenge you. You need to be in relationships before you have struggles. So church, I challenge you. Get involved in relationships. Find people that you can trust. Get a network of people around you so that you can confess if and when sin issues come up. Don't wait until they do and then go try to find people. See, the enemy of our soul loves isolation, like we talked about a little bit earlier, but he loves to take you, and here's the problem. If he can get you isolated in your sin issue, you start to define God through your sin. And you start to make God out however you want to instead of going to the word or going to those relationships and going, can you help me out understand who God is because I'm lost right now in this thing. Don't isolate yourself because it's the enemy just starts playing with you in your vain imaginations. Conclusion, what was Jesus' response? Verse 34, he said to her this, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I think it's in your notes, but I put in mine here, it says this. Religion is this thought. I have to clean up my sin before I go to Jesus. Religion is I have to clean myself up, then I can touch Jesus' garment. Relationship says this. He died to clean up my sin I will pursue him in my sin. He died to clean that up. So 
even in the midst of it, I can push through and still touch him. And as a matter of fact, when I do that, that's when the encounter will come and that's when the victory of the sin will come. Victory over the sin, excuse me. I'm gonna say a strong statement here. When we don't bring our sin to God, when we don't confess our sin to other individuals, what we're actually saying is that, Jesus, what you did on the cross isn't powerful enough to take care of my issue. I know not a single person listening to me right now would actually believe that, but sometimes our actions don't line up with what we do. And when you don't push through and take your issue to God, and the Bible says that part of that is actually confessing one to another, that's part of his plan. That's how we, that's one of the ways we bring these things to God. We actually insult what he did on the cross. We're saying it wasn't good enough for me. It's just a thought pattern. Change your thought. See, Jesus took every one of our sins, every single one of them, And here's the thing, and here's my heart, and here's what I hope you get. I hope that you've confessed, and this is, this is brought up memories of, oh yeah, I remember that one time I did confess, and I felt so much better that it would make you go, you know what? Hey, God, help me find more sin to confess. <laughs> Seriously. Reveal more stuff so I can get it out there. I don't know what it is. I'll confess something. I'll feel so free. I'll feel like, man, that was the best thing I've ever done. Two weeks later, I'll be hiding something again. just being real. What is that with us? We got to stop doing that. Man, let's get excited about confessing our junk so that we, because the more junk we get out there, the more free we become. The more free we become, the more we experience and encounter God. Because it opens up the door and the more we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith, church, when we think the way he wants us to think, not in the way that the world is telling us. Confession, both inward and outwardly, draws us closer to Jesus. And being in him is the only way to grow in faith. I want you to listen to that. Being in relationship with Jesus is the only way to grow in faith. Listen, uh, Hebrews says this in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What that is saying is he is the one that creates faith. He's the one that gives us faith. Ephesians says that faith is a gift from God. When we ask Jesus into our heart, we receive that gift of not only salvation, but of the ability to have faith, which is being sure of things hoped for and being certain of what you don't see. We begin to give the, get that gift when we start walking in relationship with God. Anytime that you're not pushing into Jesus, you are actually walking away from faith. Anytime you're pushing into Jesus, you're going to be growing in faith. Church, enter into relationship with Jesus. Even in the midst of the ugliest issue that you might have. Bring it to him. Push through to him. Confess to the people around you that he's given to you. 
push into him, bring those things out. Confess inwardly, if only I touch Jesus, if only I touch Jesus. Confess outwardly, here's what God is showing me that I need to get out there. Please help me in this area. And I believe with all of my heart that as we do those things, we're gonna see more and more victories over issues in our lives. And I think that's why you're here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a testimony of the grace and mercy that you have for us, the love that you have for us. God, I thank you for the example that you have given to us here in this story with the woman with the issue of blood and the fact that you didn't contemn her, you didn't yell at her, you didn't uh, persecute her, you, you gave her grace you gave her mercy. You gave her love. You told her to be free. You, I believe with all my heart, you were so excited to see the level of faith that it was in this woman. And God, you were just such an encouraging God. God, help each one of us to be mindful of that. And no matter what the issue is that we may be struggling with, God, help us to see you in that light and not in the light that the world says that he you, Lord, are a smiter, that you are going to come and get us. God, we want to embrace the, the picture and the vision that this woman was given in the middle of that crowd, and that is that you are a gracious God, that you are a merciful God. You're a God that forgives us when we bring these things to the light. And so God begin to reveal in this room where we need to improve in these, in these areas. God, if there are areas in our lives where we are thinking improperly, God, I pray that you would begin to reveal those things and help us to think the way that you want us to think about you and about us. God, you, you never create these issues. You don't put these issues in our lives. You may allow them to happen, but that's just so that we could press into you and we can have encounters with you. And God, we thank you so much for that. We take all blame. God, we, we take it off of you and we begin to press into you and we say, Jesus, if only we can touch you in the middle of this. And God, I pray that during this worship time, as people just turn to you, I pray that they would begin to hear your Holy Spirit show them and reveal to them the issues in their life that they need to bring to another human being in confession. And God, I pray that they would establish and that they would go after those type of relationships so that they can deepen in their level of faith, they can grow in their faith, and they can grow in the freedom that comes from knowing the truth and exposing the truth. And God, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, we've got the worship team. And um, here's, I, I, I struggled. How do you end this meeting? Okay, we've got 20 people up here. If you need to confess, just come up and confess to them. That, that doesn't work. You know why? Because there's no relationship there. It's hard to look somebody in the eyeballs that you don't know and go, hey, I'm cheating on my spouse. I, it, true? So during worship here, I just want you to listen to the voice of God. And I know through this message that God was telling people certain things, certain things that you need to confess, certain sin issues. Now, remember how God speaks. He gives you that first thought, and the second thought is you talking yourself out of it. Okay, pay attention to that first thought. Maybe it's you write it on the cross, you on a note and pin it to the cross. Maybe it's come light a candle, say, God, be the light of this area. Maybe it's going to have communion and remember what Jesus did for you on that cross. Maybe it's go back to the prayer team. Whatever it is, Maybe it's going on your knees in worship. Whatever it is, let's respond to God right now. Let's just give him a little bit of time.